Friday's Morning Brew here on Radio 3. Today is officially the first day of the Summer Olympics 2020 Tokyo. Danny Hicks is going to be reporting live from Tokyo throughout the Games. He's also reporting for AFP, Agence France Presse. So what we're going to do now is say hi to Danny live from Tokyo. Good morning. Good morning, Phil. From a, I have to say, I was going to say a very sunny Tokyo. It's just clouded over in the last few minutes, unfortunately. But that's not going to dampen everyone's enthusiasm when these... Most disrupted Olympic Games in the history of Olympic Games finally get underway today. We've Indeed. got the opening ceremony tonight. And uh, I think everyone, you know, we've been here almost a week now. I've been COVID tested up to the hill. Everyone else is. We're very restricted on what we can do. We just want the action to get going now. And unfortunately, there's going to be no spectators. There's going to be about 950 people in the, in the stadium, mm. in a 68,000 capacity Olympic stadium tonight. From what you've seen, what's the reality of all the stuff we've read about, Danny, so far? Um, I think there's a lot of people for, uh, commentating on this from afar, thinking it's a lot worse than it actually is. I mm. think we, we, you know, things are, have gone as smooth as, well, smoother than we could expect, really. I mean, it took about seven hours to get off the plane and to the hotel on Sunday night when I arrived, got to got to the hotel about three in the morning, Monday morning. But, yeah. you know, we expected that. We had to wait around for COVID tests at the airport. We have to go on dedicated transport. There's various hoops and hurdles. to. We had to have two COVID tests before we even leave Hong Kong, before we get on plane. I must say, though, the flight was fantastic because it was <laughs> it was half empty. Well, it was more than half empty. It was, we had, yeah. we had, it was like... Flying in economy class with Japan Airlines was like flying in business class because we had like a, a stewardess per passenger almost. <laughs> it was that empty. And uh, it was a lovely flight and it was, you know, but we expected a few delays and things when we got off. And I'm not going to sit here and moan about being at the Olympics. And, no, absolutely. Oh, we've had to sit around for hours and do this and do that because I know that there's thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who would have loved to have been at the Olympics as a spectator, sure. travel to support their favourites, support their teams who can't be here. So many people would give their right arm to be here. So I'm not going to sit here and moan about having to do a few COVID tests mm. and, and be restricted to certain forms of transport and that, at least for the first 14 days. Because, you know, we, 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 we're very privileged to be here in the company of the athletes. I mean, it's not been without problems this week. We've had a series of uh, COVID positive tests in the, in the athletes' village. I think the count now is 93 people since July the 1st connected with the Games, either officials or athletes. There's a little cluster in the Czech team. Yeah. Um, the Prime Minister sort of ordered an investigation into where that's gone wrong because there's six Czech athletes now yeah. who are under isolation. And the South Africa football team had to all go into isolation before their opening game against Japan last night, and um, which they complained about because two of their players um, tested positive for COVID. Anyway, they did eventually get a team out on the pitch. They lost 1-0 to Japan. We have had some action in the football competition, no notably. And we've had a few shocks as well. Mm -hmm. USA women's team on Wednesday, the mighty USA women's team, world champions, Olympic champions, unbeaten in 44 matches, got stuffed 3-0 by Sweden. So uh, <laughs> that was a big shock to start it off. And Japan, who are highly fancied the women's team at home, they struggled, needed a late equaliser and missed a penalty against Canada uh, in a 1-1 draw there. But the big shock for me was yesterday, Australia, the Ollie Roos, as they're known, beating the mighty Argentina 2-0 in their opening game in the Olympic competition. Big shot there. And Mexico, 
beating France 4-1. France highly fancied, good young side, supposedly yeah. got beaten. Uh, we had a 30-minute hat-trick from Richarlison, who plays for Everton, playing for Brazil against Germany. They won 4-2 last night. And Spain, with six of the players who got to the Euro 2020 semi-final and lost on penalties to Italy, mm. were held nil-nil by Egypt. So um, there's already been some shock results in the football. Tell me about how Olympics football plays into the big picture, Danny, because I know it's a religion to a lot of people. We rarely hear yeah. about footy at the Olympics. It's uh, football for the men. It's an under-24s competition this year. It would have been un It's normally under-23s, but because the Olympics has been delayed by a year, they've made it under-24s, right. yeah. so that players who could have played last year would still be eligible, which I think is only fair. For the women's, though, there's no age restriction. So you've got the full uh, women's international teams out, You know, the, the full USA, Megan Rapinoe, all their superstars. Uh, players that people will be very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Great Britain had a great win, 2-0 uh, to start off with as well earlier in the week. They're looking very good. Um, you know, they've got all, uh, a lot of, lot of players that people will be familiar with if they follow the, the women's uh, sort of Premier League back in, back in uh, Women's Super League, as it's called, back in the UK. So, you know, the women's football t competition is a really good one to watch. Um, I'm going to be covering weightlifting from tomorrow. Uh, for now, that's a big one for days. you, isn't it? You love yeah, that. Yeah, I love yeah. my weightlifting. And we start off with a women's 49-kilogram weight class tomorrow, which is... Uh, which is tiny, basically, isn't it? 49 kilograms. They, they're, they're sort of four foot nine tall pocket rockets. They lift more than me and you. More, more than we I can mean, do together, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, we, we could be in for a first tomorrow because there's an Indian weightlifter going uh, whose name uh, is, I forgot it, on a piece of paper here somewhere. Uh, he says shuffling his piece of paper. There's, uh, from India, we've got Mirabai, uh, Chanu Sakam Mirabai going, who's a world record holder in the, in the clean and jerk. Uh, those who don't understand weightlifting, there's mm. two sort of disciplines, the snatch and then the clean and jerk, and the two weights are aggregate are combined. That gives you total, the highest total wins. Right. She's a world re record holder in one of those disciplines. She's up against a Chinese girl, uh, Ho Jihui, who is a uh, world record holder in the other discipline. But if she went, India have only ever won one individual gold medal in the entire history of the Olympics, and that was a shooter in 2008 in Beijing. Right. So she could become the first female gold medal winner from India and also the first, uh, only the second gold medalist in their history, which is incredible for a country of what, 1.3 billion people. But, got uh, it. Yeah. So there could be a bit of history on the first day for me to witness tomorrow, which would be fantastic. Talking to Danny Hicks, this is what we, we no sports and all for a few weeks because this is going to be at 9.40 every day whilst the Olympics on. Danny is in Tokyo. We're both very keen to hear from you. If you've got any comments or questions, morningbrew at rthk.hk or find us on Facebook. To explain something to me, if you would, Danny. Yeah. So today is the big ceremony tonight. It's the mm -hmm. opening, officially, the first day. Like the flame and all the that. The whole bit, you know, yeah. Just explain to me, I've been looking at the schedule of what's been going on over the yeah. past two or three days, bits and pieces. Explain yeah. how that happens before it starts, kind of thing. Yeah, we've had, uh, we've had softball... Uh, for the women, which is, you know, uh, and, and the football, as I've said, started simply because, um, you know, you, the, the Olympics only two weeks long. And if you're going to have a tournament with 16 teams in and, and go down to quarterfinals, semifinals and finals, especially yeah. with, with sports like football, you need rest days in between games. You can't play every day like you can in, in some other sports like swimming or whatever, where you can compete every Got day. It. So uh, in order to build that in, they have to have the sort of the early... The first group games have to occur a few days before the Olympics actually officially open. Oh, but we I have, see. but we've had have had action underway, uh, and that bodes well, really, because you know uh, we've been sitting here for how many months and well since last year, really, saying 
will the Olympics start? Won't they start? Well, they have started and the opening ceremony will go ahead tonight and it will go ahead in a very different fashion to, to had it been a, been normal times, non-COVID times. Yeah, how's times. it going to go down? Because they rely it's, on people, don't they, for these ceremonies? Yeah, there's 950 in the stadium going to be and that's just going to be officials, dignitaries and media like ourselves. And uh, the theme of the opening ceremony is going to be moving forward from not only the covid but from the the great east japan earthquake as they call it here with the fukushima disaster and the tsunami you may remember you know yes. 10 years ago of course and and the the games were going to be a great recovery games from that now it seems they're going to be a great recovery games from covid as well taking place in the middle of a raging pandemic but i have to say out on the streets not that we can go out on the streets but from people we meet who, who have been out on the streets mm -hmm. the um the sentiment is not really with behind the games from the Japan public. Something like 55% of people yeah. don't want the games to go ahead. They're worried about COVID. They're worried about infection. And yesterday, uh, there were 1,979 new COVID cases in Tokyo alone, which is the most since January the 15th this year. And, of course, it's being blamed on the, these Olympic people coming in and being in the city and all the rest of it. I mean, but is, we're in, we're in bubble. Well, I think it... We're, we're sort of in a bubble uh, and we're not allowed to go anywhere, but we've got people coming in and out of the bubble. Like we've got local staff here in Japan who are coming into the media center each day and going home at night. So they're, they're, we're yeah. not completely sealed off from the outside world. So there is something in that. Um, and, you know, it's going to go up. But when you consider there's probably 100,000 people in Tokyo upwards in terms of officials, athletes, coaches, yeah. uh, people running the show and all the rest of it. Uh, at the Olympics, we've had 93 cases so far since July the 1st uh, within the Olympic family, if you like, among in total. And um, so, I think I you, think I think you've reached the bad. point where they realise that there are certain bits we cannot shore up. You're talking about service yes. staff, etc. They're, they're trying their hardest, but some mm. things they just cannot do, and I think that's a reality. And some things they cannot do is appoint appropriate people to run the whole show in the first place. This week we've had two more resignation stroke sackings of people involved in the opening ceremony. The director of the opening ceremony was fired for, uh, he, he was formerly a stand-up comedian. He's obviously not very funny because uh, one of his old skits reappeared on social media which showed him making jokes about the Holocaust. He apologised for that yeah. and got fired. And uh, a couple of days before that, we had the create uh, one of the uh, the composer of the music mm. for the opening uh, ceremony. Yes, tell us. Um, he has been removed from the opening ceremony and removed from his post because it turned out when he was at school, he he bullied uh, disabled classmates and uh, and boasted about it. And uh, his four minutes of uh, fame, his music piece from the opening ceremony, will not be heard tonight. That's been removed from the ceremony. I mean, that comes out hot on the heels of a couple of months ago. We had the creative director, Hiroshi Sasaki, resigning yeah. after all these jokes. We talked about it at the time, Phil, referring to a plus-size comedian as an Olympic and, uh, and, and, and making other... Uh, sexist remarks. We've had uh, other members of the Japanese Olympic Committee having to resign for making sexist and and, and racist In, remarks. I mean, it's just yeah. uh, uh, it's just uh, it goes on and on and on. But here we are. We finally got here. The day I honestly, even up till last week, getting on the plane, I wondered if we'd actually be sitting here and saying there's going to be an opening ceremony. But uh, there is. They're past point of no return now. And let's face it. If they cancelled it now, it would it would just leave a a 15 billion 
dollar hole in Japan's finances with nothing to show for it. So uh, the cauldron will be lit tonight. We'll have a couple of new things at the opening ceremony. Obviously, it's going to be socially distanced. We won't have as many athletes parading as we normally would. Yeah. But there's going to be two athletes holding the flag for each country, one male and one woman. That's going to be new this year. Before, there's only ever been sort of one flag bearer chosen. Um, equality rules now, and there's one female and one male for every for every delegation. And uh, I just want to mark your card if you if you're wondering what's happening with the Hong Kong athletes that are here so far. Some of them are yet to arrive because their events don't take place for a while. Yeah. Tiffany Chan, the golfer, uh, she goes the week after next. I'll be following her. But uh, we've got a few medal hopes from Hong Kong. Uh, Siobhan Hoi in the swimming. She goes on Monday in the 200 metres freestyle heat. She starts off then, and then she'll be in the 100 metres freestyle on Wednesday mm -hmm. and the 50 metres freestyle on Friday if you want to keep a lookout for her. I think her best medal chance is in the 200 metres free. So Monday, the heats are that. They'll, they'll be in the evening, Monday evening, the, the heats. It, because of American TV, the swimming is turned on its head. Normally, you have heats in the morning and finals in the evening. This year at the Olympics, it's finals in the morning, heats in the evening, so that the finals are prime time for American TV. So make of that what you will. Right. We've also got uh, a fencer starting off tomorrow in the individual epe. That's uh, Vivian Kong Manwai. She's got a, a, a real good medal chance in the individual epe event. And a couple of other medal chances don't really start for another couple of weeks. You've got Sarah Lee, of course, in the cycling, won bronze in London. She goes in the Kirin on August the 4th and the Sprint on August the 6th. So that's right at the tail end of the Games fortnight. And we've got karate in the Olympics has returned this year uh, uh, because it's in Japan. Uh, karate, not normally Olympic uh, sport, but we've got Grace Laumont-Sheung, in that and she will go in the women's kata discipline in the karate on august the 5th so yesterday danny i talked to trisha Leahy, the boss yeah. of the sports institute and she spoke very uh, fondly about the karate event they are really yeah. hoping for something there they really they, they i think out of all the events that's the one they're really hoping for that, that grace can do it yeah and, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on her on august the 5th i say that's right up the tail end of the games games end on august the 8th so that's what that's three days before the games end um, and remember, you know, we've, we've, medals have become few and far between for Hong Kong over the years. The, the first or the only gold is Li Lai Shan in windsurfing, people may remember, Atlanta in 1996. Indeed. And we, we did take a doubles table tennis uh, medal in Athens in 2004. Sarah Lee, as I've just mentioned in the cycling, yep. uh, a bronze in London, but that's it. But, you know, Hong Kong got three or four really good, lively medal chances this year. So it could be a record haul for Hong Kong. And, and Tiffany Chan, 37th as an amateur in Rio in the golf oh. uh, four years ago. She's not really in the best of form, but you never know. Over On a tournament, every golfer is pretty good. There's only a field of 60. Um, Tiffany, could she possibly... We know, shall see, mate. Players? We're going to leave it there. I'll be, Danny, there. I'll be out of the golf and uh, hopefully talking to her at some point and as well. We're going to have a lot to talk about on Monday. Danny, thank you so much we will. for your live Summer Olympics update from Tokyo. That's Danny Hicks.